Welcome to the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, the show that brings you lively conversations with leaders, colleagues, and friends in healthcare, pharmacy, and beyond. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast. I'm Melissa Muir Corrigan, and I'll be your host. This is episode 10 of the Melissa Rx Scripts Podcast, and thanks for listening. We're recording this episode during unprecedented times in our world. Please join me in gratitude for the frontline healthcare workers, which includes pharmacists, pharmacy residents, student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians. Thank you. We're also recording this in April, and we just received some snow this morning. So lots of interesting things going on in the world today. Well, now on today's podcast, I'll be talking with Janine Abrams, a clinical associate professor and director of student pharmacist international activities for the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy. I'll give you a bit of an introduction to Janine and then let her also tell you about herself, her career and her many varied experiences and adventures in life in general. And she's really got some good ones. Janine wears many hats. She's an educator, international health professional, innovator, writer, editor, and entrepreneur. And I can't wait to hear more on how she does all of that. She also is point person in the Iowa College of Pharmacy for global health initiatives. Janine is described by others as a positive, versatile, and dedicated educator. And her passion for mentoring has helped numerous students, residents, and practitioners discover and reach personal goals. Janine just has a really, really bright light, and I think we're gonna hear that today in our interview. Janine, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Before we get into your career experiences, can you tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, about your family, and life in Van Meter, Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, so I am from a small town in Iowa, When I was growing up, it was about 700 people in the town, kind of a a small community and a sleeping community to to Des Moines. So to me growing up, when you were talking about going to town, it wasn't going into Van Meter. It was driving into Des Moines um, and taking a trip there to do a lot of things. But growing up in a small town meant that everybody really had to chip in and everybody really knew everyone else. So I remember when I was submitting a college application, I had all of these activities that we were doing, like drama and speech and knowledge-related activities and sports, but showing up and being there was really required to have the programs and to let them run for everybody. So I love that. And still, my community is absolutely amazing um, connecting with people from back there during all of this and just seeing how they support each other and um, help each other out. I think it was really cool. And then my family has always been probably one of the biggest influences on my life. And I think about that even more now with all of these trying times. Um, We've had family Easter's on Zoom, which I think you said you were doing too. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, which my aunt joked was like, um, apparently there was a Saturday Night Life skit with difficulties using Zoom, and our family kind of had 
um, some of those challenges, but it was really great to see each other and to just feel that love and that warmth. My grandparents, uh, particularly my grandfathers, were farmers and construction workers. And during COVID, I can't tell you how many things that they taught me that I'm going back to. Um, we planted a little garden inside. We built things. Um, we've done crafts. I'm laughing that I always gave my grandma a lot of hard times with uh, some of her recycling of butter containers, but we're repurposing <laughs> yes. that and spraying them and decorating them and just doing whatever you can, making use of the things that you have around you. So I am really lucky that they gave me those skills, um, sewing and cooking as well, too, from my grandmoms. And then my dad and my mom are just absolutely amazing. My mom at the start of this kind of gave us a schedule to put in place, or not a schedule, but just like a list of things that we wanted to do every day for the kids. And now we have that on a whiteboard, and that's really given our family a lot of stability. My dad, actually, we were talking about me doing this podcast, and he told me, which I forget, that he worked at a pharmacy when he was um, in high school. He was a pharmacy tech in Beaverdale, Iowa. And I attribute a lot of getting exposed to pharmacy to him because he would take me to work on these days and I would file by phone number and I would repair people's computers. It was a early start of fixing computers. And so when a take your daughter to work day came, he refused to take me to work. And in fact, instead sent me with a pharmacist from our community. And I just thought pharmacy was the coolest thing. I was hooked and I started taking classes in high school to pursue my pharmacy degree and actually graduated a little bit early to do that. So I'm thankful that they give me that stability and that they give me that motivation to dream and to, to try different things and to also decide to show up and to have a good perspective and to connect with the people that are important to you. Also in Van Meter, I think you, you and I always talk about teachers and the importance of teachers. I've been thinking about that a lot, particularly my teacher, Mrs. Miracle or Elaine, uh, who's still my friend on Facebook to this day. And she was absolutely phenomenal. She made us have a class flag in third grade. And you talk about gamification of learning. We had tickets that we could earn to spend in the store. And I remember I would do anything to try to get those tickets to uh, perform, to be able to buy things that you would buy if you went to an arcade or someplace like that. Um, and she just made learning really, really fun. And then later on, she was probably one of the first people that really exposed me to the joy of teaching. I was able to come back in high school and be a teaching assistant with her. And she was really explaining how she really felt connecting with people one-on-one -on -one was super important. And I had this opportunity to connect with the student and to help her catch up in reading and really to, to see the role that I might be able to play in her life. And that was um, a pretty special moment to me. So I'm glad that, you know, you start from good roots 
hopefully you can carry through some of those lessons later in life. You know, I think it's so important uh, what you touched on related to the time that we're in right now where we're staying home, but it really makes us want to be connected and probably connect in different ways because we're not physically gathering with family or friends across the country or in different areas. But as you talked about reaching out or the stability and the values that you learned from your parents, um, that's really neat. And when you mentioned the Beaverdale Pharmacy, um, one of my earlier rotations at Drake was at a Beaverdale Pharmacy, Richard's Pharmacy. I'm not sure if that's the one you were talking about, but that area is so cool. It's just a fun yeah. part, part of Des Moines. So that is that is really, really neat. And I don't know about you, but I also find going back to some of the childhood things, I have pulled out my little sewing basket that I've had since I was a girl that has moved with me from you know, Illinois to the East Coast, back to Iowa. And, you know, it just seems like we have projects that we need to use a needle and thread, which I haven't really done too much of that, but in the past, but now that's come out a little bit more. So that that's funny, the things that we um, reflect on and think about. Yeah. So you touched on teachers and um, tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of how you got to where you are today, the University of Iowa. So some of your influences, both personal and professional, like family mentors and teachers, and you have such a passion for helping others. So where did that come from? So when I was in high school, as I mentioned, I started taking classes and I, think I only had a learner's permit at the time. I think that was me and my dear friend, Blake, uh, driving together in, in our cars to take these college classes together. Things that our uh, high school didn't have to offer, but we could take for uh, free at a local college. And I was really fortunate that my mom suggested if I really wanted to do pharmacy that I start taking some of the pre-pharmacy curriculum stuff then. So I was probably a atypical path of getting your degree done, but I really got a mentor there. I started working. Um, I had some experience working in hospital, which didn't work out for my student hours. Um, very much. So I started working with Sue Horton at Central Iowa Compounding. And she was an amazing influence in taking care of other people. I remember uh, Sue had worked with this older pharmacist that had owned Central Iowa Compounding, or um, I think it was Uptown Pharmacy at the time. Um, and his philosophy was that if you take care of your team, if you take care of your people, that they'll take care of you as well. So Sue would buy us lunch every day. She had um, sodas or drinks or whatever she knew we'd like on hand. Um, sometimes at the holidays, she would give us a small bonus, which she doesn't know this, but I remember sometimes, you know, kind of being over the moon grateful for that. That was, you know, I didn't have much and that was the things that I could give to give a present to my family or buy something last minute or do something special. But she really, she was right. I was committed to working um, and working for her because she, she said school comes first, fit it in around your studies. Uh, she made it a family and a community to work with. And she didn't really expect anything from it. She just said that she wanted us to pay it forward. So try to keep that philosophy with my students today, just paying it forward and hoping that they're gonna take care of their teams, uh, the people that they work with, appreciate them and value them when they get uh, further on in their life. And then 
I was really lucky. My mentor in pharmacy school, who also was connected to Capsi, was Linda Kreipel. So I got to know Lon Larson, which oh, anyone wow. who knows Lon, yeah, Lon and Linda are absolutely amazing. And Linda was super into complementary and alternative medicine. So I got to take her class and learn about different beliefs and healings. Um, and she encouraged me to just be me and to think about things differently. Um, she also always had a positive perspective of kind of laughing at Lon and bringing out his um, silly side. So I say she used to tell me, Lon wears silly socks. <laughs> he would wear his most conservative suit ever. And then he would wear these, you know, crazy funny socks that Linda had gotten him. Um, just made me smile. And we started, um, I think, an AMCP chapter uh, with Lon and Linda and just had a lot of discussions about life and about choosing different paths. Um, the Larsons, Larson Kreipel family, and uh, then Kim Plake. I was having a hard time deciding between graduate school, residency, working, and they really encouraged me to, to look into graduate school, even though it wasn't a typical path. And they said, you know, the people that really love you are going to want what's right for you, no matter when that's going to happen. So if it isn't right right now and you want to look at this later, we just want to expose you to the options that, that are out there and to help you to come to your right choice on your own. So that was pretty cool. And then at UW-Madison, I did end up pursuing graduate school, and I was blessed enough to get a fellowship and to get that paid for. And graduate school was really, for me, a time of refining my interests, um, self-exploration. I did a lot of relief work in different settings all across Wisconsin, rural pharmacies, and I saw challenges with resource access, community pharmacies. I remembered that community spirit. And then I eventually started working in a long-term acute care pharmacy, developing protocols and really doing it all. And I, I loved that. And I found that this combination of working and having the tools and skills to be able to research that was really what the magic was for me, to be able to see a problem and to think, what could we do about this and how could we change it? So surveys kind of became my stick. I got to work on some of the, the manpower projects, surveys and workforce development. I was really interested in just job satisfaction and being happy at work. Um, and I think carried some of that knowledge of the internal things that affect you and the external things that affect you as I moved on. And then towards the end of graduate school, my um, now husband and I decided to get married. I had been, and this is a crazy random thing, but I had been a wedding videographer on the weekend. And oh my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> in pharmacy school, yes. So I, I know a little bit about the editing aspects. And so I, I just had been to a lot of weddings. 
And I just wanted something that was really peaceful, that really celebrated that if we got married, uh, our wedding would be the start of a lot of celebrations um, and hopefully a long time together. And so we had some friends that were um, ENT docs and uh, anesthesia residents that had gotten married and they had went to the small island of Dominica in the Caribbean. And we looked at a DVD and it looked beautiful. And we said, okay, we're going to tell our family that we're going to go get married and then we'll come back and have a celebration later. So those were some pivotal moments getting up to my first job at Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, but just realizing all of these people that were really supporting me and helping me in my journey and my way, it made me want to do that for other people. I love how that um, path of that journey came together. And, you know, when you talked about generosity and taking care of people, I think that's a theme that's kind of helping so many of us right now with what we're dealing with during these unprecedented and difficult times. It's, you know, if you, you can sit and stew and worry about it, but I think the bigger thing is how can I be of service? You know, how can I give back right now or who can I help? Um, who can I reach out to? And I also really appreciate that you mentioned Lon and Linda. They are two of my favorite people and Lon, you know, had such a legacy and impact in pharmacy and he was a Drake Weaver medalist and he actually gave his lecture. Um, he was the year before I did it. And I, I just, you know, having the opportunity to get to know Lon and just his message about living each day is really, really cool. So thank you for sharing those reflections in your journey, because I think it's helpful for our listeners to see that paths can be, you know, all different kinds of ways. And so learning more about how you got to where you are today was extremely helpful. So when I do these um, interviews with colleagues and friends, I do try to take a little bit of a historical view. And you know, one of the things at University of Iowa is we have this amazing historical pharmacy legacy figure, uh, Zeta Cooper. So she's been described in many ways, but I think one of the biggest ones is calling her the grand and glorious lady of pharmacy, which is just kind of fun. So I know you've learned more about her and some interesting facts. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it just so happened that my interest in kind of traditional healing, um, I share that with a lot of people at the College of Pharmacy, and I was talking to some of uh, the staff in external relations, and I mentioned that, and they shared um, these articles about Zeta from the early 1900s, so 1913. Um, and she gave a lecture in Iowa City for a mortar and pestle club on cocoa and talked about the traditional uses, um, where it's found, the derivation of different names, the effects. I thought that was so cool that she kind of shared this uh, interest in natural products. And then I did a little bit more digging and I found out that the earliest that I could find was 1918, but there were some articles about having a pharmacognosy oh, yeah. garden at the College of Pharmacy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then I guess in the old College of Pharmacy building from the 1960s on, there was still a pharmacy pharmacognosy garden that was under the control of the MedChem group um, until the early 1980s. And it was run by a man named uh, David Carroll, 
which is pretty cool. So I've been able to talk to some of the people at the, the College of Pharmacy and try to figure out a little bit more about this, what plants were maybe in there. Um, and there's a book written by Dean Zoff about the history of the college that uh, they think some of that uh, history is in there too. But now at our brand new College of Pharmacy, we're going to have a medicinal plant garden. So it feels like we're going back to some of Zeta's roots of you know, this interest in plants and uh, healing effects of plants. And I learned that there will be kind of these placards that are associated with these plants that link back to a rare book collection um, at the university that will be able to let you kind of do your own tour and do this walking tour and learn about the the history of medicinal plants. Oh, I love that. I can't wait till that all comes together. And when, you know, I was over visiting the construction site as the building was going up and heard about the garden out there, I just think that's so neat and I, that our students are really going to benefit from that. And also, you know, just everyone seeing that on campus. And we do seem to be having a return to looking at more of a plant-based life and, you know, uh, plant-based medicinal gar garden. I mean, it's that's a that's a really cool, fun thing. And I think it reinforces too, you know, each time when I talk to people about Zeta, just what a trailblazer she was and some of the things that yeah. she did when you think about, you know, that she would give this lecture, first of all, that a woman at that time was giving, you know, in public and, and all of that. Right. Um, I mean, because that's before women had the right to vote. So um, if it was in 1918, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So when you were given, when we were given your intro, you talked about your wedding and Dominica, I know that your practice um, and research focuses on global health and underserved populations. So can you tell me a little bit more about your experiences there and how you, that, how you think that aligns with kind of what we're dealing with today with COVID-19? Yeah, so um, when I went and got married in Dominica, I got horribly sick the day after my wedding. Um, I, I didn't uh, have enough water with me on this hike that was um, pretty intense. And so I got dehydrated and then the roads in Dominica are pretty windy. And so I got motion sickness on the roads late at night. And Ooh, every, what a combo. Oh. It was, yeah, it was not... I see these pictures of me from then and I still look happy, but I remember being so tired and so grateful. The guide, Carlos, he gave me a Vitamalt and then Moses, another guide at the very, um, at the boiling lake, he gave me some, um, I think it was passion fruit juice. And that was what got me through. Um, people kind of showed me which streams were okay to drink from and what you could do to kind of get yourself through that. And then when I got back, everybody that was there just took care of me. And they said, you know, do you, do you want something for motion sickness? They made me this um, ginger lime tea, which was pretty potent um, and pretty powerful and strong. Uh -huh. But I remember being like, at this point, I'll do anything. And I took it and whether or not it was, 
you know, actual effects or just me believing in something different, uh, it helped me to feel better. And I remember thinking, this is just a really cool community, how they take care of each other. They take care of others. It reminded me of, you know, kind of like growing up in Van Meter and that feeling too. So I thought, well, I'll maybe come back here sometime again. And, you know, this is such a beautiful place. And then um, about a year later, there was a call for medical donations and supplies. Jungle Bay was working with the local village doctors and they were trying to put together um, some resources for uh, the clinics for the holiday season. And I sent down some things and admittedly did not do that at all in the right way. I didn't ask what was needed. I just kind of collected things and sent it down in not the most efficient way ever to. Um, but I got a note back from the doctor and they were really appreciative. And I thought, huh, I wonder if there is something that we could do together that that benefits student pharmacists and thinking about different medicine and different uh, medical environments and then plants and plant therapies and really integrating the two. And so my brother and I went on a trip back to Dominica. Um, we talked with Sam, the owner, and we really just started exploring with the community maybe what a rotation or a partnership would like look like. Um, I met with some of the ministers of health, which is really, really cool. And we developed a program. And, you know, in COVID, it's kind of funny because some of the things that we've been talking about, um, like community health worker programs or doing more telemedicine, in my co-director position for mobile clinic, that's came true. And so um, we're also working on doing some of that stuff there um, and putting it into place. I'm working with maybe two or three masters of public health students, um, and they're working on extending some of the details that we're working on with those initiatives. And we just had a talk with Sam on Tuesday or Wednesday. The students were asking what he thought a perfect plan would be, and he really described how we approach our practice, and that's just, um, you know, you do some of your research, you try your initial best attempt, but your initial best attempt is never perfect, and you just come back and figure out how you need to keep refining things and keep making them better, and Sometimes you look at things from a slightly different perspective than other people and, you know, see pieces that fit together in a different way. And I think we've been able to do that. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of our work is combining resource access and CPR training. Um, we've done some of the first health fairs with partners in the clinic. Um, and I know I certainly learn more every time I go and the students do too. I mentioned mobile clinic too, and I feel like that is such an amazing organization to be a part of. We uh, recently did a presentation for the College of Medicine for the deans, and in the last five years, we've expanded from five to 10 underserved uh, clinic and practice sites. And 
we do that basically almost entirely on the funds that we earn from DocDash. So not a lot of money, but we've been able to, you know, work on grants to start VeggieRx programs, to start clinics with, you know, with mobile food pantries, uh, to work on worker reentry programs, and just really taking healthcare to where it needs to be accessible to people. So I think that reminds me too that healthcare can be delivered, it can be accessed in maybe different ways than we were traditionally doing. And this is just pushing us to, to do some things that we uh, hadn't done before, but we had always talked about. And then we've been working on a whole bunch of grants. Um, Sam and I always talk about, and I really believe that even in bad situations, that um, something good can come from those things and that you just have to look for those silver linings. We've been working on uh, grants and commentary articles and different things like that for emergency preparedness, uh, for telehealth, and really making those connections. I don't always talk about this, but I think when we had our meeting on Wednesday, you know, Sam was saying, you know, we just don't know how this is going to play out. And I said, you know, in, I think it was 2015, my brother's house was destroyed by a tornado in Illinois. And then later that year, uh, there was a tropical storm that took out Jungle Bay and Dominica. And then a year ago, a, a little over a year ago, Hurricane Maria in the Caribbean that just wiped out Dominica and many Caribbean islands. Yeah, so, it was devastating. Yeah, but I have this image from all of those things about just being grateful for the things that we have and realizing the blessings that you have in your life. Um, I remember Francis, one of my friends talked about like, do you think people will believe this after? And I said, I don't know, like we can try our best to explain what that was like. Um, I think that applies to this situation too. I remember being particularly in Dominica after Maria, maybe a month after the hurricane, um, working on some disaster relief and seeing all of these different nations coming together, um, having their flags on the trucks. Uh, the, the national anthem of Dominica came on and our driver just sang it from the top of his lungs and it was about beauty and blessings and just having faith that good things were coming. And I think that really applies to our current situation that you know we don't know never know how our life or our circumstances are going to exactly play out even though sometimes we like to pretend that maybe we do or I like to pretend that I do and I have more control over that but in actuality you know in life we just have to think about um, what can we do with the moments that we have and uh, you know how do we look for the good even in that bad situation and then how do we get ourselves ready for when we get to the end of a bad situation, 
um, for, for a lot of good things to come. And I think that's by being prepared and, and thinking about the future too. Yeah. You know, your, re your reflection, you had so many nuggets of wisdom um, as you were talking about your global health experience. I think about the silver linings. I mean, that is such an opportunity to reflect what can I learn from this? You know, where do I go from here? And also your comment about being able to put some things in place a little sooner that maybe we had thought about, whether it be telemedicine or using technology in different ways and reaching out. And I was also struck as you talked about the first time that you helped the country and sent some materials. And then you realized later that you didn't get it quite right, that, you know, maybe they could have used other things. And I think that's very helpful for our listeners, because sometimes we want to help and we have generosity of spirit. And so we just jump in and we do whatever we think we should do, but it's not necessarily meeting the need that's there. So I think your comment and sharing that story is very helpful for us to just reflect back and say, you know, what's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the need here? Um, and then how can I be a part of that versus just, oh, I'm going to you know, gather this together. And you know, you might be sending them things that they don't need or can't use or you know, would, would not be able to store whatever. So thank you. That was really interesting. Yeah. I, I think you just have to work with partners and you really have to develop relationships. And we were talking about that with the students on Wednesday, that all the global work that we do um, really involves truly like a mutual and reciprocal relationship where it should and, and asking questions about what needs are and what priorities are and what people really would do and not do and um, having that trust and that open discussion. And sometimes I'll come up with an idea that is crazy and Sam will say, yeah, let's try it. Um, other times I'll come up with an idea and they will give me this look over WhatsApp and say, no, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's that we're willing to have that conversation. And I think that's been my experience, you know, in working in other countries too, that yeah, you, you have to have the conversations and you have to realize too, that when you're going to somewhere else, you are receiving just as much as, as you're giving. It takes time and effort and resources to, to have you go or to have you do something. So you have to recognize that there should be give and take in that relationship. Yeah, for sure. And you know, as you were talking about the crazy ideas, I reflect back on that's what innovation's all about. You know, that if people didn't decide to try to give it a go, let's see if it works. It might not work, but a part of it might work. And then we could try something else. That makes such a difference. And then when you think about uh, when I had Janelle on, she talked about international travel and how much you can gain and learn. And my sense is after, you know, whether I've done international travel personally or professionally with FIP, it's like, what can I learn from this? Or, wow, that's a totally different approach. Um, you know, I, I did a pharmacy technician um, group in London and just see how they work with pharmacy technicians was so different than some of the things we do here in the States. So yeah. it's like, but what piece of this can I bring back? Well, one of the things how you and I connected was through University of Iowa's professional engagement seminar. And I have just loved being a part of that the last few, several years. And I know that uh, in 2018, you were named University of Iowa's College of Pharmacy Teacher of the Year. So tell me a little bit more about kind of your 
teaching experience with professional engagement, and then your teaching experience right now it has shifted online. So it's totally different than we've had before. So share some reflections on that. Yeah. So I think when engagement came about at the University of Iowa, there was a group um, called the Transformers and the Implementers that had just came up with this list of things that they thought were important themes or exposures to help student pharmacists to get off on the right foot in the curriculum. Um, and so really had a list of activities, but not a lot of what those activities would look like. And so spent a lot of time at first uh, doing exactly what I described with uh, global work, asking a lot of questions um, about maybe uh, what we could do or what people were interested in or how we could put this together. And then just proposing a schedule and trying it um, and refining it. And in that first year, that was a lot to kind of come up with. Uh, I needed some help. And uh, admittedly, that's, that's one of the things that I'm working on personally. Uh, when people will ask me if I'm okay, or if I need anything, I'm pretty good at saying, no, I'm good, or recognizing that other people have it worse. Um, but in that moment, uh, one of my students on when she came and she said, do you need help? I said, Yes. <laughs> and she started helping me and working with me. And then a student named Steven and Tiffany, and then Shoshana and Haley and Julie and Kalika. And we went from one person to a couple people um, to a whole team each year. And it has been absolutely amazing to work with the students and to help them learn to be educators as well through teaching a course and to see all of their positivity and enthusiasm and ideas and really to have it be a collaboration where they tell me what they think didn't work or you know other students will be a little bit more honest with them and and we just work on refining our our model each year a little bit and now we have new roles that we're working out in the new curriculum, in the new building. Um, we're trying to do a lot more with just welcoming people and providing encouragement, um, you know, celebrating that they're starting that professional journey, but also working on developing skills like leadership and self-awareness and time management and screenings that they can apply through their career. Those students are working with me throughout the year, we all really believe that we're a community and we're a pharmacy family and that by creating that fill of a community that we're going to have a better place for students to come learn and also excel. Um, so it's been cool to see that, that they really believe that too and they're willing to give their um, time, efforts, and talent and really communicating to them that it's a all hands on deck effort, um, working with staff and other teachers and everybody at the College of Pharmacy to each do different pieces to, to make those things happen. I would say as a person who's been involved for the last few years, I think your pivot to um, having the students be part of your planning committee has been so successful. And I've also seen 
the growth within those students. You know, I met, I met some of them, they're P1 year, and then, you know, the next year they may be involved in the planning committee and the leadership skills that they've gained and just the passion and enthusiasm. So I really want to say thank you that I think your work has continued to help, you know, the orientation, but it's as they get going through the curriculum and get kind of their sea legs under them and really get to develop as leaders. And they're so passionate about it. You know, when I, when I've come back, it's like, they're so excited, you know, to be working with you and to be growing the program. So, you know, I just want to really say thank you. And I think kudos because um, starting something new and in involving more people or changing it up, you know, sometimes isn't easy. You know, you're adding a layer, but the experiences that I think you're you're providing to the students and that they're providing then, because I think their inputs and insights have just made the program so much stronger. They're so smart. I Sam had mentioned um, when we talked this week that if we just tell somebody what to do, then it is just using just the knowledge that's in our brain. But if we ask other people to share their ideas and we allow them to do that, sometimes they can almost blow our mind with the possibilities of what they thought. And they're not limited by, you know, kind of our, our preconceived notions. And, and I feel like the students just are absolutely amazing. They are part of my pharmacy family. We've been texting and messaging. We're meeting later today. And we're, we're all still working together on this and supporting each other. And we try to do a daily check-in and kind of say, how is everybody doing? And some days the answer is, nah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Like, we're just trying to own it when we feel like it and remember what we can control. And we're talking about planning for the worst case scenario, uh, hoping for the best case scenario, and how we try to always have plan B, C, D, E, F, G sometimes, at least in mind, um, so we can move forward and do what we need to do. But they have reminded me, particularly in this time, that we do need to connect virtually and to provide encouragement. And I think um, celebrating that we can be together in whatever way we can, whether it's, you know, over a Zoom meeting or over a text message, that's, that's just even more important. Um, and they keep helping me grow as an educator too, because I, I keep realizing different things about myself or, oh, I was having a moment or I need to, I need to try that. I need to just not be stuck in my ways with it. So really, really thankful for what, what they give back to the community and to my life too. Yeah. And I think you're, you're spot on about the importance of these check-ins, daily check-ins, whether it be text, phone call, FaceTime, Zoom. I mean, you know, we're all, and, you know, even um, standing out in your driveway, talking to someone, um, you know, with the, across the way can make a big difference right now to just make sure that we're staying connected and people are talking to each other. Yeah, super important. So while I have you, um, is there one prescription or life lesson you'd like to share with others or comment in the spirit of Melissa Rx scripts? Yeah, I I think I just keep trying and striving to be a more holistic and as much as I can be well-rounded person to to keep learning from other people, whether it's my kids or my students or my colleagues and surrounding me with people that 
that remind me that life is a journey. It's not necessarily a straight path and that I like to think that I'm, you know, moving in just one direction, but, you know, we have some hiccups along the way. Sometimes we have steps forward and steps back. Wellness and being mentally well and growing takes a ton of work um, and we're not going to be perfect about how we do it. But whatever happens, I think there's a lesson that we can learn um, from even our pitfalls or our failures that we can apply and we can carry forward with us. So I want students to know that. And I also want them to know that it's okay to think about things differently. I think um, oftentimes that makes us feel like an outsider, like we, we're not coming up with the same exact solution as everybody else, but, but actually I think that's really a strength and something we should celebrate um, and something we should encourage uh, for us to innovate and just do things differently sometimes. Yeah, it's okay to think about things differently, um, to be yourself and to put your light out in the world. You know, that was one of the things as you and I have connected and got to know each other, Janine, that I really value having you in my life and see the light that you bring forward and you encourage that light and that individuality and people bringing their best selves to the table. You know, through these times that for sure are challenging, it is a journey, but we're gonna end up on the other side. And I think it's um, having people like you in our lives that keep us positive and what lessons can we learn from it, you know, makes a really big difference. So thank you for sharing that prescription. I, that's, that's awesome, I love that one. This is the Melissa Rx Scripts podcast. To everyone listening, please subscribe to our show and follow me, Melissa Muir Corrigan on social media. I wanna say a special thank you to Kate Cruz with Executive Podcast Solution. And thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really feel like um, I learned so much from you as well. And I really um, love the time that we get to spend together too. So thank you for letting me be a part of this. 